Have you ever done anything dumb? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. You know, I was thinking through the several things, only a couple of dumb things that I've done in my lifetime, and uh, one, one sort of stands out. It was when I was about six years old, um, we had a, a gas man who would, would, would come in his gas truck and he would fill our gasoline tank at, at our farm um, in our yard where we would then, you know, fill up our cars. And his name was Jack Hildebrand, and uh, he was a, a nice guy, I think. You know, I was only six. Uh, how could I really judge people's character at that time? And uh, this particular day, he came with a brand new truck. He would got a brand new standard Amoco truck to deliver gas with. And he's backed up to our, 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 uh, our gas pump there, and he's filling the underground tank. And I went in the chicken um, coop and climbed up on top of the chicken house, and I'm sitting up on the chicken house talking to him. And, you know, he's chatting, you know, how an older person would do with a, a six-year-old, you know, engaging me in conversation. And he was just getting ready to leave, and, I, and he says to me, hey, you better get down off of that chicken house. Do you know how I got down? I jumped off of the chicken house right into the middle of the front hood of his brand new truck. Yes, caved it in. Wow, was he mad. I'm not sure I stopped from when I hit the truck to hit the ground. I think I ran right to the house. I think he was able to bang it out, and I don't think it cracked the paint. Of course, I don't know. I'm only six. I don't check out these sorts of things. But that was a really dumb thing to do. Um, there's a picture I saw on Facebook just this morning that was posted by a father of his son of a picture of this, this um, kiln, this uh, forge, homemade forge that his son made. And, and I don't know if you see anything wrong with that picture. I mean, we're talking flame, right? And I'm looking, there's oil on the, the garage floor. His dad did inform him that maybe it wasn't a wise thing to use a gasoline can to prop up the propane tank. Yeah, that's a dumb thing to do, right? We, we all do dumb things, and, and sometimes we can believe dumb things. Even as smart people, we can believe dumb things. Well, we're calling those things urban legends. Um, Christian urban, spiritual urban legends, things that sound good, that have gained traction, and, and that nobody really wants to question, or when questioned, everybody just sort of looks down at you and says, well, you know, how could you think that that's not true? Maybe it's something that was heard from a Sunday school teacher or a parent or a webpage or a pastor in a church service, and they sort of take on a life of their own, right? Um, there are things that people can believe that really don't mess up their faith. There are things like um, a penny earned is a penny saved, right? I mean, I don't know that I've ever thought that was biblical, but that's sort of a, 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 a cliche that we say a lot, and, and Christian urban legends can, can take that sort of life on their own as well. There, there are some beliefs, though, that Christians hold that are dangerous. They can lead to disillusionment and discouragement in our everyday walk, and they were not intended by God himself. They are not biblical. They, they, in fact, they, they cause needless pain and heartache, and people can be disappointed in God when he doesn't do the things that they think he promised them that he would do. And I hope that as we continue through the series, that you will test everything. You know, that you will test everything according to Scripture. Things that you read on Facebook, things that you hear in church. If you hear something and you're going, ah, oh, 
you know, Pastor Dave, I'm not sure I'm quite there. If, if you think it's wrong, get your Bible out and research it. Study it. Let's hold everything up to the Word of God. Foundational truths that we hold biblical. Let's scrutinize them against the Bible, not against other things. We've got to go back to the Bible. Well, today we're stepping into the minefield and we are looking at faith. We're looking at faith. Now, Larry Osborne, the writer of the book, 10 Dumb Things Smart People Believe, um, he tells this story, and I want to read it for you. For three years, Susan had put up a valiant fight against a disease that was now in its last stages. Her labor-breathing, gaunt figure, and deep-set eyes made it painfully obvious that she would not be around much longer. As we sat by her bed wondering what to say and how to pray, I was stumped. I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to know what to say in these situations. But before I could say anything profound or even trite, our awkward silence was broken by the entrance of Susan's husband, John, into the room. We exchanged hugs and quick greetings. Then John began to talk. He spoke of the plans he and Susan had for the future, not in a regretful reflection of what could have been, but with a powerful conviction of what yet was to be. It was weird. Susan lay there, barely cognizant, struggling for each breath, seemingly hours from death, yet her husband stood inches away talking about future vacations, a kitchen remodel, and their retirement years as if the four of us were hanging out at a backyard barbecue. While John and Susan had often spoken of their confidence in God's ability to heal, this was different. He wasn't talking about an assurance that she could be healed. He was describing his absolute certainty that she would be healed. He didn't have an ounce of doubt. It was already a done deal. Then he told us what had happened. That morning, while in prayer for Susan's healing, he'd been overcome with a powerful sense of God's presence and a deep conviction that God had answered his prayer. As he continued to pray, biblical passages proclaiming God's protection and care flooded his mind. He felt as if God had physically reached down and touched him, whispering in his ear, I've heard you, she'll be okay. Brimming with confidence, he figured he'd arrived at the epitome of faith because he had absolute assurance of what he hoped for and complete certainty of what he had not yet seen. He was as giddy as a prospector who had just trapped, who had just tapped into the mother load. I didn't know what to say. Could it be that God was up to something big? Were we about to witness a miracle? Was John's faith going to pull her back from the jaws of death? I wasn't so sure. He was absolutely certain. That night she breathed her last breath. John was devastated. For years after Susan's death, he limped along spiritually, disillusioned with God, prayer, and the impotence of faith. He had a spiritual meltdown. He had a spiritual meltdown. Maybe you have been or even are in that position yourself. You've prayed for something, and you have believed that God has answered in a certain way, and and maybe it didn't turn out that way. And you wonder, did I have enough faith? Is there something wrong with me? Have you ever wondered that? Why am I experiencing what I am? And we can have a spiritual meltdown, and we can think that God let us down, and that can go on for month after month, and year after year after year. People even get to the point where they don't even want to have anything to do with God anymore. But the truth is, It wasn't God that let that husband down. It wasn't God that let you down. 
God can get a bad rap for not pulling through on the promises that people think he's made. But the truth is, he never made some of the promises that we accuse him of not fulfilling. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. That's why the myth of that, that faith can fix anything can be so destructive. People in our world hold a wide variety of of views when it comes to faith, don't they? I mean, you've experienced them. You have different views of faith yourself. What do you think of when you hear the word faith? Maybe you just jot that down in your notes. What do you think of when you heard, hear the word faith? Well, just to set the record straight, I believe in faith. No doubt that faith is important in our lives, but we need to have a clear understanding of what faith really is. I've heard people say some pretty dumb things, honestly, when it comes to faith. And I'm guessing you have to. I heard someone say this. If you just have enough faith, you will be healed. Have you ever heard that? And, and, that if you aren't being healed, that you must either have sin in your life, or you simply don't have enough faith. I have heard people say that. I know there are people in this room that have heard people say that. I've heard people say that if you have faith, that you will be wealthy, it will happen. I have read statements from books of very well-liked, famous preachers. And they point to the fact that they got the million-dollar house that they were praying for as evidence. See, they say, we stood on this street, looked at that multi-million-dollar house, and, and I said, yeah, I'd really like to have that, but I just don't know if we can. And my wife said, you got to have faith. And so then I did, and it happened. Look, if you just have enough faith, You can have anything you want. Pastor Michael mentioned someone last week in his message that believed and taught this. Have you ever heard someone say this? Faith means that you have no doubts. Maybe you think that yourself. That that if I have doubts, it means that I don't have faith. Maybe you've heard this. Faith fixes everything. We have such faith in our lives that everything is great. We don't have any problems. Before I came to Christ, my life was a wreck. And after I had faith, nothing wrong. Perfect. I even heard of someone that said whenever they go shopping, when they, as they're pulling into the parking lot, they pray in faith that they'll find a parking spot close to the front door. And they always do! Now, I'm all for having conversations with God, right? I mean, I have those all the time. But I'm not sure that it was the faith that gave... And and what what defines close, right? Is it four four spaces? Is it seven? My mother-in-law can get the front space almost every time. She has one of those little blue things (laughs) that you hang on the mirror. Um, The reality, however, is that believing those things those things that I just mentioned, are a combination of pop psychology and bad theology. Those don't come from the Bible. Um, The word on the street is this, that if you have focused visualization combined with a positive outlook, that things will get better. Things, Things will get better. That's what faith is. And it will cause things to happen. Hear that? Cause things to happen. It it will make the world the way that you want it to be. Success gurus. Positive thinking. That's their mantra. Focused. And they point to their lives as an illustration. See? It's evidence. It works. Televangelists. 
have made a boatload of money using this concept. You know, you will show your faith if you write me a check for $150. Right? And they get richer by the moment. In fact, if you do this, you will, in a sense, force the hand of God. That's how I look at it. If you have enough faith, he will have to give you what you ask for. Because he's good. Now, I I do this. I I would be the first to admit that, that I like to think positively. I like to have a smile on my face. When my team is down 10 runs and it's the bottom of the eighth inning, which the Rockies often are, it's like, okay, only pot, you know, you see everybody putting on the rally caps, right? And it's get all of those negative thoughts out and you focus it on your team because you, you just think it might happen if you think positively enough, if you have enough faith. We all want to think positively, right? And I mean, that's good. Who wants to be around negative people, right? That's a, that's a downer. Get, but that's different than faith. Positive thinking is different than faith. And as far as faith goes, we have to be careful that we aren't simply putting our faith in faith. It's this, it's somehow, it's this disciplined belief that I have that's going to do what it is that I want it to do. And that's not biblical faith. Faith in God is different. Some people think that, that that's what God wants from us, that, that God wants us to, to be faith just completely, no doubt, no fear, no nothing. Completely. That, that, that that's where God wants us to be. I, I, think, I think that it's different. That, that if we can believe strong enough, remove all doubts, and believe hard enough, that whatever it is that we're trying to believe will actually happen. That that's where God wants us to be. And then it will be. Faith can fix anything. Does it fix everything? Does it? I mean, we've had some pretty rough times in our lives over the course of the last almost 24 years of marriage. You know, we've, we've had severe headaches where we ended up in a hospital in Chicago. Um, my wife had a, a mystery fever. We spent, seriously, thousands of dollars trying to figure out this mystery th- fever. It went on week after week after week. We never did figure it out. We prayed for healing. We had the elders come over and anoint her with oil, and we prayed for healing. Did it fix it? No, it was a week in a hospital with medication. Why? Why didn't God do that? Why? Does it fix everything? Now, I know there are others in this room who have way more difficult stories than that. You know, house fires. You know, tragic deaths in the family, um, lost limbs, um, just all sorts of things, destruction by flood or hail. We didn't have any of those experiences. And I know there are those stories that are tougher than, than ours, but I've been a Christ follower for 44 years, and for 44 years, I have tried to live faithfully, to be a man of faith, to no matter what the circumstances, to never question God, to always trust that he's walking with me. And, and we've been tested. And I can, I can say that, that I believe we've been unwavering in our trust. But has that fixed everything? Will we ever have another problem again in our life? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. 
It hasn't fixed everything. It hasn't fixed everything for me. So what can faith do? What can faith do? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that faith can move mountains. It can rebuke demons. It can raise the dead. It can heal the sick. It can start rain. It can stop rain. It can part seas. It can change the course of rivers. It can bring food, change water into wine, knock down walls, defeat armies, avoid death. Look up here at what, you know what, I don't think I gave this one to you, Roy. Look what Jesus says about faith in Matthew 17, 20. Um, This is what Matthew 17, 20 says. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Were you ever a young child after having heard that verse and sat and stared at a hill or a mountain to try and get it to move? I did that. Oh, I just, I tried to muster the faith, and it just never would move. In James 5, it says this, that that the prayer of a righteous man brings healing. The men that we had in our home praying over the, the, the healing of my wife were righteous men. But it took a week in a hospital for those headaches to go away, and they're still not all the way away, even to this day. So then that begs the question, does that mean that we didn't have enough faith? What do you think? Did we not believe that God could heal her? And if, you answer, if your answer to those two questions is yes, if you're thinking we simply needed more faith, then you have to say yes to every Christian I know. Because there are things in their life that they prayed for in faith that God never fixed. If you say yes to those two questions, you have to say yes to Job. You have to say yes to Paul. Ten out of twelve of the of the uh, the disciples suffered violent deaths. I would think men who had the most faith at the time, who saw Jesus face to face, would be those men. Faith didn't fix everything for them. Faith and the concept of faith is deeply rooted in the Bible. However, I think that the idea of faith that we have and the descriptions that we use, that that faith fixes everything anyway, positive thinking, visualizing things, I think that's a myth. And the belief that enough faith will bring health, wealth, and the lack of suffering, it's a myth. And, And here's where this problem comes from. It's the way that the original language of the New Testament was translated into English. And, you know, the English language, isn't it just terrible? It's hard to learn. It's it's hard to translate to other languages. We, you know, it's I before E except after C, right? Except in neighbor and way, and I can't remember all the rest of that, but... um, I mean, anyone, if, if you know a second language and you're trying to speak it to someone else and you're trying to translate certain words, there's difficulty in that. Sometimes there isn't a word in your language that actually means the exact same thing in there. So you have to sort of do what you can. And it's not like the translators of the New Testament were trying to, to, to intentionally throw us off or make mistakes. It's that there are additional meanings of words that sometimes don't acro- come across in the translation. And that's the case with the word faith. Let's take a look at the Greek word for faith. It's right here. It's, it's pistis. That's the Greek word for faith. 
It's one word. And what our English language does then, for, for the word pistis in the New Testament, we use three different words to describe one word. Okay? Those three words are faith, belief, and trust. In your New Testament, every time the word faith, belief, or trust is there, it's from the root word pistis. One Greek word, three English words. Now here's where I think we have trouble. Um, Let's look at the definition, what I think we would say the definition of faith is. I think we would say that faith is all about confidence. It's all about confidence. When you say you have faith in something, it's this feeling that you have and this confidence towards or for this person or, 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 this, or this promise that they're going to do something. Um, it's a feeling of confidence, in fact, that removes all doubt and all fear. And we often think that if we have enough faith, we wouldn't be afraid of anything, and we certainly would never doubt because we have faith. The second is belief. Now, belief, where does belief happen? Right here, right? When, when somebody says that they believe something, belief is about our intellect. It's between our ears. When we say that we believe something, we think in our heads that it is true or that it is probably true. And oftentimes, since our beliefs exist in our heads, it doesn't really matter what happens with our feet and our hands as long as we believe in our heads. I mean, people believe lots of things, right? We have people on our planet who believe in UFOs. We have people that believe that um, Bigfoot is real. We have people that believe Elvis is still alive. Right? But you can believe anything and still not have your life live that way. But many that say they believe, there are people that even believe in Jesus, right? And when someone says that they believe in Jesus, what do we then call them? Believers. Believers. Someone reads a story about Jesus and then asks the other person, do you believe that this story is true? And if this person says yes, they believe it. And, and, and some people say because they believe it, then, then that person assures them, well, then you're going to heaven. If you believe this is true, then you're going to heaven. In fact, some would say that it doesn't matter how you live your life as long as you believe this is true. Even though the Bible has some qualifiers, the Bible says it's more than just believing it's true in your head. James, the book of James, said that even the demons know and believe that Jesus was real and is real. Does that save them? Does that give them eternal life? No, because that belief, that knowledge, is only in their head. If they have a head, I'm not sure. And here's the third way that the the word pistis has been translated. Trust. And trust always carries with it the idea of action. Right? Trust is about action. We did a trust fall at Valley Christian School this week. And, and, And this person could say 
right, that they believed that they would be okay. They could, they could, they could have faith that, that what, was, what I was telling them was going to happen was going to happen. But, but again, in our definition, we would say that they only had trust when they took action and they fell backwards. That's, that's how we define trust. Um, a parent says that they trust their teenage son or daughter to be responsible when they're out at night. But if they never let them go out at night, do you think that kid thinks they trust them? No, it's about action. So these three words in English, in English, and how we think of them have three different definitions, right? But in the Greek... It's the same word. In fact, I think someone who was from that, um, from that century, first or second century, were to look and read our, our New Testaments, I think they would be confused maybe. There's three different words with different definitions for a word that was the same to them. The same word. But that doesn't mean that we can understand them genuinely, genuinely, because here's the thing. Trust, belief, and faith, they are synonymous. They are referring to the same thing. There is no sharp difference like we tend to have in the Greek. I can show you in our translations where these three differences show up. Let's, he, uh, Roy's going to put them all three up here. The first one is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, okay? Faith is confidence. It's something that we can build our lives on. That's a part of faith, okay? Faith up there is pistis. Now, faith is, John 3.16, whoever believes, that's the Greek word pistis. In him shall not perish. But when we normally hear that verse, we think intellectual assent. And it's more than just that. And then John 14, 1. Trust in God. Trust in me also. Jesus said, trust me. There's action inferred in that, right? It's the same word. It's the same word. They are all faith. And this is the thing. When we think faith, we have to think all three of those things. All three of those things make up faith. They're all what God wants for us, not just mental agreement. There has to be some action applied, and our lives will be different. And there, there's a foundation and, and a confidence that we build our life on. That's faith. Faith is not about positive thinking. Faith is not about visualization. Faith is not mental gymnastics. In fact, um, we're going to look at something here that I got really excited about when I read this this week. We don't even have to have all the doubts gone in our lives before God will answer our prayers. Have you ever, ever thought about that? Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 12 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 12 and I want us to look at an account in the book of Acts where God says yes to prayers even when there were doubts in the minds of the people that were praying them. Okay, Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we have Herod is, he's persecuting the church. He's killing people. In fact, he has James arrested and he puts him to death. He has him beheaded. And the response 
of all of the Judaizers in that day was so strong that he thought he might just keep doing it. So he has Peter arrested. And he keeps Peter in prison trying to determine what he's going to do to him. And, it, and we can pick it up in verse 5. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What do you think they were praying for? They were praying that Peter would get out of prison. We want Peter released. We love him. We don't want him kept in prison unfairly and unjustly. So what does God do? God sends an angel. In fact, it's kind of surreal for Peter if you read through the story. Peter doesn't know if it's a vision or a dream or what's going on. This angel goes into the jail and he leads him out. And they're walking down the street and Peter's still like trying to figure out what's going on and the angel disappears. And Peter's, Peter like, I don't know, comes out of a, a, a dream or something and he realizes that he's actually standing in the middle of the street outside of the prison. He's been freed. So what does he do? It says in verse 12, when this had dawned on him, when he figured out that he was actually free, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without even opening the door, and she told everybody, Peter is at the door. And what was their response? You're out of your mind. He's in prison. They're praying for what? Did they have faith? Maybe according to our definition, no. But I think according to the definition that we're going to see later today, I would say yes. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. There's got to be another reason or another interpretation of this. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were what? Astonished! It's Peter! How did you get here? What were you praying for? Did you not believe it would happen? They had some doubt. But even in the midst of their doubt, what did they do? They prayed. They prayed that he would be released. They prayed that he would be released. In faith, if faith was all about positive thinking and not having doubt, why did God answer their prayers? Why? They were filled with doubts. In fact, at this period of time in their life, many of them were hiding in their homes. They were very afraid and very fearful of what the government might do to them because they believed. His yes answer was, God's yes answer was met with astonishment and, and amazement. I think that happens in our lives sometimes. We, we get to the end of a, a period of time and where we've been praying all through it and we look back and we go, wow, look what God did. And we're surprised. <clears throat> So faith isn't always without fear, and it certainly isn't without action. Turn over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. 
right after another book that we're going to take a peek into today, Hebrews, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There's two of our, our descriptions right there. Faith and trust. If it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see that his faith... And his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. Those are all the same word. They're not separate instances and separate definitions. They're a combination of themselves. Scripture was fulfilled. Abraham, verse 23, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And He was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. This action is evidence and and what happens when there is a change in our life. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith without works. It's both. In the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, turn, turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. This we, w- we would point to as the faith chapter. Now faith, it starts out as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes through a litany of the ancients who had faith. And we see in the beginning of chapter 11, it's all good. You know, Abel offered a, a better sacrifice than Cain, and he was, he was blessed for that. It was, it was, uh, he was commended as a righteous man. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Wow, what a success. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, verse 6. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when, when warned about things not yet seen, what happened? He was saved. His family was saved. The human race was saved. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, verse 11. All these people were living by faith when they died. And, and we think, okay, faith equals success. But the writer's not done yet. We have to go on. He's not finished. In fact, he finishes and he starts in verse 35. Look at verse 35. This is encouraging. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. They were tortured. They were killed because of their faith. 
In fact, their faith actually made their lives worse, not better. Can you see the Sunday school teacher now sitting down with the children downstairs in Sunday school? Okay, now kids, today we're going to learn about faith. And if you have true faith, you, you could lose your head. You could be killed. I mean, seriously, um, we, we wouldn't teach it that way. And we, we don't, but really that's what biblical faith, that's what the Bible says, right? I mean, you, we don't have faith because we just think good things are going to happen. We have faith because, and we're going to talk about the two reasons here in just a second, because that's what God says to have. And, and good might come, and bad might come. Faith does not fix everything. These people in these last four or five verses are not faith rejects. They're not people that failed at faith. But their faith didn't. They had faith. They were people that had faith, but their faith didn't fix everything. Our faith might lead to victory, and it might lead to prison. So what is real faith, then? Here's how I would define it. And this might be overly simplistic to try and combine three words into this little sentence here, but this is what I think real faith is. It's trusting God enough to do what God says. It's trusting God enough to do what God says. It's all three of our separate definitions wrapped up into one word. I, th- I think it's interesting. If you, if you look at a Strong's Concordance in the New Testament and you look up these verses that I've been giving you and you click on the word that is translated faith or trust, or um, <clears throat> what will come up is a definition of all three words every time. I th- it's... It's not each separately. It's all together. It's all together. So, so if it can make things worse, why then would we bother with faith? I mean, really. You know, we're, we're about happiness, right, in this culture? About the American way, about getting what we can and enjoying life. And, and if, if having faith doesn't necessarily have a good outcome all of the time? Why, why bother living by faith? Well, there's two reasons. The first is this. Faith is what God wants from us. Faith is what God wants from us. I read it already in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. God wants us to have faith. And if God is really God who cares about each one of us, which he does, then we need to know what God wants and we need to do it. And faith and obedient action is what God wants. And that applies to every area of our life. Faith and obedient action is what God wants. Our relationships, our finances, our jobs how we treat people on an everyday basis. Faith, trusting God to do, trusting God enough to do what God says, no matter what the consequence or outcome might be or might not be. Believing Jesus was the Christ, believing the Bible and putting our confidence in God as we take action every day, that's the faith that God wants from us. 
I, they gave us these little wristbands at the, uh, well, us, I mean the teams. I drove the bus for the girls, Lingo girls this weekend, and they gave us these red wristbands, and we were leaving, and there were some people that were going to go to the later championship games that night, and one of the people said, hey, can I have your wristband so I don't have to pay to get in tonight? And I thought about that for a few moments. If you notice, I still have it because I just didn't feel like that would be an honest thing to do, right? And as I was sharing this story with another person, what he said was, and and I could have given it to this person and nobody would have ever known any different. In fact, it would have saved them, I don't know, eight or ten bucks, however much it cost them to get into the final championship session. But this person I was talking to, what he said was, you know, integrity really isn't what you do in front of people, it's what you do when people aren't looking. And I didn't really initially think about that as a decision of integrity. I just didn't really feel right about it. Well, God wants us to be honest about things. He wants us to be men and women of integrity. He wants us to live by faith. Head, heart, feet, that's the faith that God wants from us. And, but the biggest reason, though it doesn't fix all of our problems, of following Jesus and living by faith is number two, and that's this, that faith does fix our biggest problem. What are you going to say one day when you're standing before a holy, all-powerful God, and he says, Why do you deserve eternal life? Why should you be granted? He knows all of your hidden secrets. He knows all of your sins. What is going to keep you from being condemned to eternal punishment? It's faith. It's faith. Pistis in Jesus Christ. Not just intellectual assent. Not just good works. Not just some sort of trust that we think we have, but all three in Jesus Christ, who was God, who walked this earth, who died, who rose again, and is sitting at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. And it's that faith that that washes us over with his blood, which is what the cup represents as we celebrate communion this morning. Jesus came willingly. And he walked the earth perfectly. The only one to ever do it. We can't be good enough. We can't outweigh the scale of sin. It's impossible. And, and it's that faith, and, and I want, again, I want to repeat, it's not faith in faith. It's not just believing strongly. It's the object of that faith. It's Jesus Christ. See, there are some who would say, well, it doesn't matter who you believe in. It's, it, it, what matters, just kidding, what matters is, is that you just, you're just sincere about something. It could be Buddha, it could be Muhammad, 
if you just sincerely believe that it's true, then you'll be saved. And the Bible says no. No. Jesus says no one can come to the Father but by me. He's the only way. And that's not narrow-minded for me. to. I, I didn't say it. The Son of God did. And our faith, it's, a, it's, it's an intellectual understanding. It is. But it's not just an intellectual understanding. It's a, it's a trust. And it's a confidence. You know, one of those words we looked at at Valley Christian School was hope. You know, in our culture today, people say, I hope, I, I say, I hope it snows all the time. But really, especially in Minnesota right now, that seems like wishful thinking. And that's how we say it. I hope this, I hope that. What, what we really say, what we really should say is I wish for this and I wish for that. As a follower of Christ, our hope is a sure thing. It's a confidence. My hope is in Christ. It's not that I wish that someday he might save me. No, my hope is in him because I believe that he said what he said is true and who he was was the son of God. That's a confidence. That's a confidence. So this morning, as we celebrate communion, maybe you're new to our fellowship. You don't have to be a member of North Hills to participate in communion, but, but you would only want to participate in communion if you, if you have that faith that we've been talking about today. It really doesn't mean anything if you don't. This bread, Jesus, Jesus had these very things with the disciples over 2,000 years ago on this planet for real. It happened in history. He broke the bread and he said, guys, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. When you eat of it, remember. Remember, and he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood shed for you. He said something kind of cool. He said, I will not drink this cup with you again until I return. But until I do, you drink it in remembrance of me. And this morning, as we, as we wrestle with faith, as we wrestle, continue to wrestle with forgiveness, as we continue to wrestle with the reasons things happen in our life, let's celebrate what Jesus did for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this bread and this cup that, Father, I pray that as we partake this morning, that, that it, as, as we think and as we celebrate, that, that there would be, it would just be more than just eating bread and drinking some juice from a little cup. Holy Spirit, surround us, draw us in. Help us to understand the context of faith in Scripture as we read it. Help us to understand the context of faith in our life. Father, draw our feet in and our heart in if it's just been in our head. And if we have a little in our head, Father, draw that in. Lord, as we participate, as the servers pass us out, we celebrate with you that sacrifice that you made for us. The pain that you took on, the sin that you took on, and that you have forgiven in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The servers will pass the bread and the cup. Take one of each and then partake when you're ready. Caleb will lead us.